Whatever struggles you're facing from depression and anxiety to trauma and grief, BetterHelp can connect you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient you can schedule secure video or phone sessions as well as chat and text with your therapist, and anything you share is completely confidential. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Our listeners even get 10% off your first month with the discount code JVN. So why not get started? Let's get on our wellness game, people. Simply go to betterhelp.com slash JVN and fill out a questionnaire to get matched with the counselor you'll love today. East Fork makes beautiful and durable plates, bowls, mugs, and more in Asheville, North Carolina, using regional stoneware clays in a gorgeous array of colors. Whether you're microwaving leftover takeout on a Tuesday or impressing your new lover with a four-course meal, East Fork's pots make any meal feel at home. Go to eastfork.com and use code JVN for 15% off your first order. You better work 15% off and follow along at East Fork Pottery. That's eastfork.com, code JVN. Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by psychologist, author, and speaker, Dr. Doreen Dodger mcgee where I ask her, is our reliance on technology turning our brains into mush? Hey. Welcome. Thank you. But you're not, I mean, here's the thing. Becoming a psychologist and a doctor, no less, is no easy feat. But you're also an author, author of Deviced, Balancing Life and Technology in a Digital World. I'm not surprised that I was brought to you universally uh, to talk to you. Okay, my first question is this, and then we can really go free. Okay. Do you remember that show Revolution on NBC? I do not. Okay, it was a show called a revolution it had i think two very honest seasons it they really tried but the premise was is that like this evil like radicalized american terrorist organization mm-hmm. like came up and like turned off all the satellites and all the stuff and our phone stopped working there was no cloud no wi-fi no like i mean there's no planes because there's no traffic controlling there was there was nothing i mean there's like only like they finally got like a train going and that was like a huge turning point because like they like it was like a huge thing. It was called Revolution Honey. Like you couldn't like plug your phone in. No one had pictures. It was like it was such a big thing, you know. So that made me curious. Like, what would happen if like something happened and like all of our phones like stopped working? I think it's such a good question. And I think the first thing that would happen, I would hope, after we got over our panic and our kind of sheer lack of knowledge of what to do, we might actually find out that we can encounter each other in really beautiful and meaningful and creative ways. And my hope would be, I'm sure, you know, I'm pretty a pretty optimistic person and I'm sure there would be some violence and some struggle for power and the resources that we have. But I do think that over time, if we could get comfortable enough within our own selves, uh, that would also allow us to be comfortable and resourceful with our neighbors and our communities in ways we aren't anymore. And maybe we would um, also use that opportunity to become more creative, to become more flexible. Maybe we would even become a better people. Do you think that the integration of this technology in our lives is leading, is helped lead to the dysfunction that we're experiencing, like in politics and health and like everything that we're kind of experiencing right now in American culture? I do. I do. And I think one of the things that both the academic research shows, as well as just in my own experience speaking around the world about this, is that um, there is this kind of ambient sense of um, relational aggression and competition and comparison that gets fed by our interaction with our devices that does feed kind of a... um, an automatic negativity and and a comparative and evaluative and judgmental way we approach the world and talk about each other. And I think it's becoming more and more the norm. There's even some interesting research showing that the way in which children observe their parents talking to their home devices, like Alexis and Sierra, Siri, I mean, um, really reinforce rigid gender roles. Like, hey, I get to order this woman around. <laughs> Oh, shit. It's true. (laughs) And that that becomes this normal way. So then you say like, hey, mom, get me my dinner, you know, or whatever it is, but that they're watching us. These children are watching us. And even a lot of the new toys out 
use vocal commands similar to our home devices. And so children are barking orders at their toys rather than, you know, marching around and playing, moving the dolls or moving the cars. I, I promise you, you know, that they are playing in less embodied ways than you talk about you playing on your, you know, your balance beam that you and your dad made. Uh, your <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that we have an interesting generational divide here between like, because I think I'm Gen X, but then who's the generation below me, like younger than me? Gen Y. Gen Y. And then do we know the name of the people below Gen Y yet? Yeah, they're they're messing with that. There are lots of different proposed. Oh my gosh. So what are the people below Gen Y that would be bored between? Oof. I don't know the date range, but I would say they would be probably mid-high school and lower at this point. So... Like, what are we seeing that... Well, actually, before we, like, jump into this, and not that I need to, like, qualify your gorgeousness, but I want to talk about your intellectual gorgeousness and, like, why you're talking about this. Because you are a doctor. Tell us, like, how you studied and what you did to, like, become this, like, expert on how technology impacts us. I love that question. So when my own children were in... um middle school, which they're 26 and 24 now, that's right when flip phones were starting to come out. And I was watching how they were kind of disrupting or or at least um, interrupting the time that children spent together. And then at the same time, my husband was working in high tech and I was seeing what was happening early on with smartphones. And it just began to occur to me that as a psychologist, I really believe that what grows us as people and what makes us healthy as individuals and as a culture is is interpersonal connection. We learn best interpersonally. We, our brains are wired and and they um, are wired more deeply with when there's kind of an emotional interaction that occurs. And so I began thinking, you know, this is the the early part of this. What if I engaged my family in such a way that we opted to live kind of a moderate tech life to see, just to observe? And at the same time, I started noticing uh, when I was buying toys for my niece and nephew that they were all chipped. And so literally the kind of things that I used to, you know, make car sounds with my mouth um, now makes, you know, that's made automatically in the toy. And that not only robs a child of this opportunity for creative invention, but it also in some passive ways kind of omits parental interaction in a way that is really, really powerful for the early wiring of our experiences and the wiring of our brains. So I began at that point just really um, following pop culture, writing to companies that were integrating tech into their toys, and at the same time then reviewing the peer academic research. I, I spend about 15 hours a week kind of culling all of that. And then I began just talking with people around the country and did a couple of tours around the country on university campuses and found so much um, desire on the part of young adults to be able to talk openly and honestly about how tech was impacting their sense of self, their sense of sex and sexuality, their sense of um, comfort with violence and mm. with relational aggression. And it kind of broke my heart open um, in, in a way that made me want to encourage multi-generational conversations about this stuff in non-shaming ways um, and also to inspire um, and, and to provide really easy opportunities for people to be more embodied so that they could tolerate putting their phone aside for even just 10 minutes a day. There's research that shows that that can have a profound impact on kind of our sense of feeling addicted or dependent. Um, and so that's when then I, I dug into writing the book so that I could be spread, the message could get out to more people than just what my physical body can get to. Wow. So backing up from that even a little bit. So are, are you like, so you went to school. Are you from California? I am. So, okay. You're from California. And then what's a psychologist? <laughs> a psychologist. I used to say I wanted to be a psychologist from when I was tiny and I didn't even know what it was. Um, I, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology and I have a private practice where I get to work with people on becoming healthy. So if someone doesn't know what, um, like, uh, what, so basically a doctor of psychology just means like, what did you, you have to interview people. You have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you go to school and um, you get an undergrad degree and then you go to graduate school and they do things like watch you do therapy sessions with people behind a one-way mirror <laughs> and give you lots of feedback. Very FBI-ish. It is. Oh, I love that. It is. So after doing this over the course of like your whole like professional like life post-college, honey, mm -hmm. you and, and having your family flip phones and you're, you're like, 
how is this like developing our 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 brains and our mm. and our experience with life. So is it really true when people say that like our psyches are developed between the ages of like zero and seven? You know, it's so interesting. Yes, that was the research when I was in graduate school 8,000 years ago. But now we know, at, liter- at least with the brain, at least neurologically, we know that new synapses, new neural wiring can happen all the way through age 80. So oh! I know, isn't that great news? Yes. And neuroplasticity just means that even if we've created some really tricky habits, we can uncreate the neural tendency to engage them. Okay, so neuroplasticity is... Neuroplasticity means that the brain can um, change its wiring. So for instance, when we interact a lot with screens, we push the wiring in our brain to a certain region, and it's more the left and lower region of the brain, which is kind of this very linear, linguistic, logical Um, very automatic. Um, But we know that if we change our behavior, so we expose our brain to something new, because the brain wires together where it fires together. So if we expose the brain to boredom, then maybe we push the wiring into the other parts of the brain that are more creative. Oh my, I love boredom. I miss boredness. I really miss boredness. That's my whole new goal is to invite the world to a boredom party. Yeah, I miss being bored. I used to, boredom used to be part of my self-care. You write about it in your book. I mean, I wish I could talk with you about your book this whole time. But you refer many times beautifully to how boredom pushed you to develop kind of this strong sense of self. That's I like, did. I know. I know. I know. I, I can't even tell you how much I love your book. And, and that I kept thinking, oh. If we only encourage that now. And, you know, when you were growing up, probably you were forced to be bored some of the time. But now children and and youth and young adults never, ever have to be, which means they have to privilege boredom and create opportunities for it. And and if they don't have anyone modeling that, they don't. Oh, I really, I have have boredness scheduled for... All day Saturday and Sunday and Monday. I do have to do some hair on Friday, but that's because it's people who I love and I I have to look at them a lot. So it's almost kind of (laughs) self-care because there's certain people that if I love them enough, like I can't stand to have them get their hair done somewhere else. And then I got to look at it for a long time. Then I beat myself up. So I just, I am going to do their hair. So that's fine. I'm going to do that on Friday, but I'm so excited for a little bit of boredom. So when you were raising the little babykins in your house and like in realizing that tech was kind of like, cause I think I got my first flip phone and it had like, I remember like snake and everything. I think I was <laughs> in like 10th or 11th grade I'm um, having my own self. It, it was like when I started driving was really when I got it, like that year. Right. And it was like a big deal. And I was like so excited that I had it. Snake was also really fierce, that game. Um, <laughs> but when you say that your family was going to become like a moderate tech household, what does that mean? Well, it 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 was successful in, you know, varying rates <laughs> over time. But what it has meant over time is that my home is filled with all kinds of um, kinetic opportunities. So I have big bowls of kinetic sand around on the coffee tables and bins of Legos and um, Tibetan singing bowls all around, balance boards. Um, sometimes I'll say, everybody, you can be on your phone in my house as long as you're on a balance board, which people put their phones down. So trying to find kind of rich, wild, somewhat risky, edgy experiences um, so that we have somewhat kind of muses to leave tech for. And so it has just meant me really trying to live in a way that um, invites people's whole bodies present and whole beings for who they genuinely are. Because that's the other thing I find is just that tech creates and you you actually write about this too this tendency to compare ourselves and to compare how we look and how our lives seem and um and i just want to create spaces in the world where where that isn't what we're comparing ourselves to but where actually rather than seeing people through their social media or seeing people you know through all those tech ways that that i'm creating opportunities for actually encountering people who they are and getting to look in their faces and tell them that they are complex and that they are beautiful and that they they matter regardless of what has happened for them on tinder or (laughs) or on snapchat or on instagram um i just i think we lose those these days okay um, can I call you Doreen? And, okay, Doreen, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to be right back with more Getting Curious right after the break. With HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, get easy 
seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. Break out of your dinner rut with HelloFresh's 20-plus seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. There's something for who? Everyone from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian and fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality, regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. From step-by-step recipes to pre-measured ingredients, you'll have everything you need to get a wow-worthy dinner at your table in just about 30 minutes. HelloFresh is flexible and fits your lifestyle. Add extra meals to your weekly order, as well as yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. And easily change your delivery days, food preferences, and skip a week whenever you need. The last thing I want to do when I get home from a long day of work is to go out shopping for food. Thanks to HelloFresh, I can make a delicious home-cooked meal like gorgeous oven-baked Parmesan chicken with roasted broccoli and garlic bread, oh my, and enjoy my time home with my little baby cats. Get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash JVN9 and using code JVN9. That's HelloFresh.com slash JVN9 and code JVN9. They're four-legged, full of love, and oftentimes more like family than their nickname suggests. Parcast Network's endearing new podcast, Dog Tales, tells the true stories of heroic canines that have gone above and beyond their best friend duties. Every Monday, embark on a new journey of courage, service, and unwavering sacrifice by our most loyal companions. Like Buddy, the German Shepherd, the world's first official seeing-eye dog. Or Huskies Balto and Togo, the sled dogs that made a life-saving medical delivery from Anchorage to Nome. Each episode of Dog Tales is as unique as the pups themselves, and sure to bring you closer to the furry friend in your life. So get ready to sit, stay, and roll over with excitement for ParCast's newest series, Dog Tales. Visit parkcast.com slash dogtails or search for dogtails in the Spotify app and listen free today. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Baness. So, okay, I am what is the risk if we what is the risk of tech addiction? That's a good question. So in the U.S., we don't even have that as an actual thing. (laughs) If you look at just what is a diagnosable condition, there's been this huge pushback against calling tech addiction an addiction, even though... I'm definitely tech dependent. Yes. Well, and and the World Health Organization recognizes tech addiction as a real thing. Um, The effect of it is fourfold in the research. Um, The first is that we have less comfort in our own body. So when we become kind of dependent upon our devices, we become less comfortable, you know, facing awkward moments, facing boredom. That's somewhat dependent on the fact that it also is impacting our brain. I have one really quick question, not to make this all about me, and I got to get better about... uh, I, please. Okay, so I, okay, I do feel like I'm, like, really out of my, or, like, in my body and, like, out of my, like, tech dependence when I'm figure skating or doing gymnastics or, like, like when I'm doing, like, self-care masking things. But if I'm going to try to capture some of those things, like, for my Insta or Twitter, does but I'm doing it, like, only because I want to do it anyway because I'm doing it anyway and it's actually, like, fun for me to do that part of it, too. Does that negate my self care if I'm doing some of it on cam cam? But if when it because like not like like on a TV cam cam, but if I'm just like in my kitchen or like when I do like my normal Instagram things, because that still feels like life affirming. Well, right. So let me ask you: Do you feel after you take those pictures and post them when you're doing your self care? I don't get the sense that you're sitting around you know, hoping that you have a million likes. Well, no, but I do fucking notice that sometimes <laughs> my figure skating videos, these motherfucking people be sleeping on my goddamn figure skating videos. I will, I do notice. <laughs> I would say I do. And also, sometimes y'all people be sleeping on my uh, getting curious, uh, on my getting curious views too. But I don't really sit there and really like, lose sleep over it i'm usually like playing mario kart at that point or researching another subject or like doing something fun so most of those things though sound like they're on screens like mario brothers or researching a subject right sometimes they're not on screen okay good so that's all you want to make sure of is just that if if posting it is fun then for yeah, I sure love that part. post it absolutely because i still post what i want to post even if they don't if, if i notice the other things like it's like i can just like you know like 
a Britney Spears straddle Anthony, and that gets like 17 billion things. But then, like, if I not literally, but like when it's something I'm really like passionate and like into, then like sometimes it doesn't have that. But I don't do it for the engagement. I do it because it's like fun for me. That's the that's the difference. It's when it becomes you know really uh, the driver of your sense of contentment and satisfaction and feelings about yourself that it's the problem. And that's what I think a lot of youth and like high schoolers or face right now. Yes. or or. Is it okay if you notice there's a little bit of that going on, but you're like, "Eh, that's just that little thing going on in my little baby psyche, and I also do these other fun things? That's probably fine. The the thing that I would just think about is if that becomes what really drives you, making sure that you also feel that same kind of contentment when you're actually engaging with yourself, just you with you, or... Oh, I love engaging. Yeah, I know you do. It's in here. I just don't get to do it as much. Um, My friend was telling me, like, my friend was coming to my house, and I didn't realize, like, when. And um, she was coming over, and I was, like, under my gravity blanket, just staring (laughs) at the ceiling quietly, like, not looking. I was just looking at the ceiling, like, waiting for the ambient noise of, like, busyness to go away. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think I... But... um, I do think I'm my little busy bee might be my little busy bee part might be a little bit in overdrive lately. I would say maybe that one's working a little hard. Uh huh. So so can I tell you the words of this wise oh sage? Oh God! What? Um, on page two fifty five. Opening my book. I, I want to go home. <laughs> are you kidding me? You say. Which leads me back to the importance of your relationship with yourself. The media, celebrity comparison, and the beauty industry, these are all worth billions of dollars and cause people unspeakable pain and trauma. Knowing I don't have to take on everything I hear and read as complete truth for myself is my greatest freedom. And that's, that's true, but these fuckers were really mean on Twitter like yesterday. They were really mean. They really fucked me up this week. Jonathan. They did. I cried so hard yesterday and the day before. Jonathan. I did. So what happens if you just say, okay. I feel a little bit better today. Even before I got here, I did, but I want to hear more about it. Help me work yeah, through this. Well, no, when we're being trolled, it sucks. It sucks. And it's hard to hold on to that strong sense of self. And especially, you have so much right now. I mean, you are kind of having the week of, I don't even know how you're upright. I'm having a week. You're and right. So you're right. That means very likely that you haven't had the same kind of ability to do, you know, your yoga or your figure skating or whatever it is that keeps you grounded and that lets you come back to that internal kind of way of being. And, and what I find is that, you know, at least you have that. You, you developed that and your your mama helped you develop that and you've got a therapist who helps you, you know, lean back in. Imagine what it's like for a high schooler who only has had the number of likes they get or the comments that they get on anonymous bullying sites, which are huge in middle and high school. They now. are? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Do you not know about them? No. Oh, dear one. Oh, Twitter feels horrible, I know, it, and it's so wide-reaching. But in middle schools and high schools now, there are sites like After School, Yik Yak, um, uh, lots of them. And basically, they're places where they use GPN, GPS um, location kind of devices, and you, you sign up in your school, and then you only have access to this chat room that everyone in the school can see, and you're posting anonymously. It's like it's like it's like ICQ, but of now it's and horrible. worse. Because you can post like pictures too. Oh yes, and you can. So the kinds of things that usually are on those sites are like fattest girls at Lincoln High School, or um, worst blowjobs at this school, or I mean, it is. And so even if you're trying to be solid and to love yourself, you can be constantly subjected to this horrible anonymous treatment. But I mean, we have to get off of these apps. I mean, my God, that sounds worse than Grindr. You don't even get to, I mean, they, you can't even have sex with those right. ones. It's anonymous and stuff. Like, that's that's not even like a fun addiction. Right, but it is an addiction, right? Because yeah, but sometimes... what the fuck? That's not even any fun at all, kids. Get off that. But you And also know... stay your ass off Grinder too now that I think about it. <laughs> Y'all need to take your ass to some gymnastics classes or something. Please. You better take your ass to go paint. What the fuck? Please. What are going on What are going on with these with these with these apps? I bet Elizabeth Warren's got a plan for that. I bet she does. I bet she does. I'd what? love to help her with G- that plan. These GPS things because because I mean because sometimes they could be nice. Why has it got to be so mean? I know. I agree. You know. I agree. So well, I'm sorry that people were 
Oh, it's okay. It was No, it's not okay. It's but that's what our culture Ugh. has become. Well, it is crazy. I feel like I've never really had like uh well I've no, I've had things before. I think I've just never been so vulnerable before when I had like a cancely thing happen on like Twitter, but like it having like one random video that you do because here's the other thing about cancel culture that I learned sometimes you don't realize like okay when you do a press week of something you'll literally be like doing interviews in a room for like 12 hours a day like crazy long days and like some random thing that you said at like 7.30 in the morning on a Tuesday three years ago can be like dragged back up and taken out of context and like negate every other thing that you've ever done and just be, you know, like totally like overstated or taken at whatever. It just is a lot. But I also feel like um, I should take my, well, I shouldn't shame myself, but I, my own advice in there is true. But it's, I think I've just never opened myself up for the amount of like um, criticism that I had as I have like this week. It's big and and people are threatened by vulnerable authenticity. People are threatened by beauty and love and light, which are all the things that you are. Uh, so what, okay, so what are, is there any cute new stuff that's going on to deal with these, like, bullying anonymous sites in high schools? I mean, is it really the best thing to just be, like, what? It's fantastic to try to be off of them. The tricky thing is that. I mean, it's easy to just say get off it. Yeah. Because right. you want to monitor, like, what people are saying. Well, and even if you aren't on it, if everyone else in the school is. When I was speaking at universities, I used to have some of these up on my phone and I use it as my remote. So I'd be in a an auditorium of a couple thousand people and I'm using my phone as my remote for my slides and, you know, showing really cool hip things and watching Yik Yak to see what people were talking about me or saying about me. But it became so, it's so so horrible so fast in real time in real time oh yeah they're all in this 2000 people in this gps space just ripping on my appearance or some stupid thing i said in their opinion um and and what what i found is even when i turned it off and stopped doing that while i was on stage um you're still aware that it's happening in this ambient way and i think that's the culture that children are growing up in now they're still aware that this stuff exists out there, and sometime later when someone searches their name, it could easily come up. So it even, like, makes your relationship with yourself, like, that much more important. Exactly. Yeah, I do feel like getting, like, trolled really hardcore this week on that on the that video, the Bernie thing on Twitter, was, like, it did make me feel bad for, like, every time I've ever called anyone out, ever. Mm, yeah. Because I was like, ooh, like, that's so sad that that's going on for kids now. Is, is there a yik yak for adults, or is that just like the thing where the neighborhood people just gossip about each it's other? Probably that. And interestingly, Illinois found some way of blocking yik yak. They're the only state that's been able to do it. But I, and that's where I feel like they next, did. Yes, good for Illinois. I know, and I state feel like legislatures. Mm-hmm. And next, I feel like that's where my work needs to go. Next is in terms of helping us think at a legislative level, because when you ask about addiction independence, tech now is made in such a way to feed our addiction independence. So um, as an example, you know, on on Netflix, now you no longer have to watch the intro or the exit, which, you know, or the, you know, credits. You just kind of gives you an, a time to run. You're like, oh, I've been here for six. It, like, right, it no, makes a pause. Right. But you don't, we don't have that anymore. Right, right, anywhere. right. But that used to be a thing of like, oh, you've been here for five hours. Right. Maybe you should like. Right. And so we literally, the FTC is now creating, um, guidelines that allow tech companies to create their their offerings in such a way that they actually feed that constant use. Well, not our friend Netflix. They would never do that to us. Well, okay, so here's an example, though, of, of something we can do, like, to fight our dependence, right? Is um, And this is this came up for me last night. So I am trying to make Queer Eye last as long as I can. Yes. So I watch one episode every month, which nearly kills me. <laughs> But I that's want, not good for our ratings because if you don't burn through it all of a sudden, then okay. Netflix thinks that we suck. Okay, so I do understand that part. Just so go everybody put watch it on in another time. room. Go into another okay, room. There you go. Then, go. then go to bed and go to sleep. There, okay. And then just make I, them I think that. that you watched all that. Please do because I want it to keep happening. Well, go, take your own advice. Yes. I'm going to sit over here and take my own advice. Okay. you got to take that advice because okay, you got to yeah, binge it on a laptop somewhere <laughs> and on your phone. Uh, make one of the kids okay. keep present. Be like, yes, I'm yes, still watching. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. other things then tend to. So sorry. To, but so sorry. No, I love it. So Are so you? Sorry, no. I just, I'm, see, and actually, this is healthy because I'm I'm asking you for what I need. 
And you're telling me what you need. Exactly. I, yes. I and you're a doctor. Uh-huh. Oh. You know, so like really, it's like, <laughs> it's I'm, I'm doing everything I need to do. <laughs> it's true. You know? It's true. So, okay. Um, okay, so as far as the whole like revolution of it all, mm-hmm. um, what what about, what's this? What's this micro-cyber terrorism? Oh, I love that question. So when you originally asked me, you know, are we facing a scary post-apocalyptic kind of a um, cyber terrorist option? I really think that the small ways in which we, you know, are fed um, digitally altered images of physical bodies all the time. I mean, I know you talk about, you know, coming to terms with your own physical presence in the world and how hard that is. I certainly relate to that. Um, So the way that the beauty industry or the way that just Instagram with its constant filters or whatever the site is can feed me this curated view of the world that then I compare myself against, that feels like a little bit of a micro-terrorist attack. Okay, but this is is actually an interesting point, Mm -hmm. okay? So there's two very distinct sides to this. Yes. Which I think you can actually almost compare it to like politics kind of. But one side says, if I want to do these filters or if I want to do these enhancements, whether they're on Instagram or in real life, you know, whether permanent, semi-permanent to my body, surgically modify, whatever, if I can afford it, if I can do it, we shouldn't stigmatize people wanting to get work done, whatever we shouldn't. And, and, And I'm not saying that's what we're doing. But so there's those people that kind of like engage more in Photoshop, maybe don't disclose when they're using Photoshop, you know, and there's same. And so there's that. And that we, and you know, if you want to do it, great. And then I think, well, actually, maybe there isn't two distinct sizes. I might be on the same side of the same coin. Then it's like, well, so is it on them to be upfront and dis- and honest and and disclose when they're using these things, or is it on us and our culture to like not take that comparison on as, in the first place as the consumer? Right. And I wish that we had the ability to do that. But again, we're raising a generation of young ones who don't even realize that there's alteration, and. You know, I think what I find is that that's another kind of, um, um, what would I say? It's another... Oh my gosh, we have to take a really quick break, really quick break, really quick break. You guys, because what you were going to say is really good and I don't want to lose it. Okay. Thrifting is fun, but spending hours sifting through the racks isn't, especially when the holidays are busy enough. ThreadUp makes it easy to get thrift store pricing with the convenience of online shopping. How much do we love reusing instead of creating waste? ThreadUp makes thrifting so easy. And can we even talk about how many cool options there are to choose from? If you're even looking to find a gift for a friend or a partner or even just yourself, you're going to be able to find something gorgeous on ThreadUp. Shop today for an extra 30% off your first order at threadup.com slash JVN. Wow! Discover millions of secondhand finds from trendy brands like Everlane, Vince, and even Theory all up to 90% off estimated retail. And instead of spending hours at the racks, you can shop millions of deals on your phone anywhere, anytime. Personalize your search by budget, size, styles, and favorite brands to find exactly what you're looking for. All the items are in high-quality condition. Some even still have the tags on. ThreadUp is a sustainable and more affordable way to get through the season. And for our listeners, here's a little extra holiday cheer. Get 30% off your first order at threadup.com slash JVN. That's 30% off your first order at threadup.com slash JVN. Honey, take a moment and just think to yourself, describe yourself in one word. Are you simple, sophisticated, or adventurous? However you dress, the stylist at Stitch Fix can help you find your favorite piece. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that delivers your favorite clothing, shoes, and accessories directly to you. First, you complete a style profile, then an expert personal stylist will send you a hand-picked box of items based on your preferences. They even have men's and kids' boxes too, which we love, honey. Let's get everyone, uh, you know, taken care of. Plus, I'm sure you can mix and match if they aren't, you know, in the dark ages. What if you want something from both? With no subscription required, you can pick between automatic shipments or only getting new pieces on demand. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Plus, the $20 styling fee is automatically applied towards anything you keep from your box. We love our Stitch Fix personal stylists. I can customize my own gorgeous preferences, whether it's sizing, brand, or budget. Once you finish the style quiz and set up your ideal number of deliveries, honey, you'll receive everything from jewelry to shoes to bags, all to go with your hand-picked outfits. I love that. 
Get started today at stitchfix.com slash JVN and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's S-T-I-T-C-H fix.com slash JVN for an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. Welcome back to Getting Curious. We have um, gorgeous Dr. Doreen Dodger McGee, which actually, I sometimes I just say gorgeous when I need a moment because I want to make sure I'm not going to pronounce something wrong. So I don't want to, I mean, you are gorgeous, but you're also like literally a doctor. You are an academic. You are a researcher. Um, and you're an author and you're a speaker. So, but anyway, what were we just going to say? Because it's like, because you were saying that like we're raising a generation of kiddos that don't even realize that these things are altered. Right. So so I find it another kind of vulnerability on that sense of self. I really do think that if we could all live from this central core, I call it an internal locus of control. So where my feelings about myself come from this informed place in my gut where, um, you know, I rely on the way my maybe my parents loved on me or other people have built into me and my the uh, sense of my strengths and weaknesses and all that. Um, when we are projecting out into the world a curated sense of ourselves, whether that be in social media or even in gaming, if we're part of a clan and we've projected this kind of hyper-masculinized view of ourselves, we know that then when we encounter the world in our embodied spaces that we won't match up to what we have been able to curate. Does that make sense? Match up the same, yeah. yes. And, and I think that creates a lot of then insecurity. And we already see the research is really clear that um, anxiety – depression, and then this kind of uh, very strong ambient fear of missing out are really ratcheted up. There's actually the, the first new piece of research has just come out that that shows not only a correlation between high levels of social media use and anxiety and depression, but actually that high levels of social media engagement can actually cause anxiety and depression. And when you really get down in the weeds in the research and then in talking with young adults, um, you'll hear that sense of like, I can't, I can't be as quick on my feet as I am on Twitter. Or I can't look as great as I do when I've taken 50 photos with the filter and then chosen the one that looks perfect in Instagram. And that creates this kind of anxiety about how people will receive me in the world. It's, yeah. I mean, so like this morning, I was like running to my doctor's appointment and I like was like staying in my hotel and like I just have been like on the road for like seven days. And often like I will just like, throw my hair in a messy top knot and, like, put on my sunscreen, well, my serum and then a little bit of sunscreen. And I just, like, put on my stuff and I, like, run out. But, like, I'm, like, my panty lines are showing so I'm wearing tights and I didn't have, like, I couldn't find my long t-shirt. And so I had to, like, wear, like, a boxer brief under a tight with, like, a tighter sweater, which was, like, not my cutest look. Like, typically I would have done, like, a longer layer underneath, but I, like, couldn't find it and I didn't want to be late. And I just, like, kind of lulled myself because, like, I know, like, when I'm, like, really looking like I rushed out the door in the dark, which, like, I did this morning. I'm cuter now because I had a moment to come back together, but this was, like, before this. Um, So I think about that, but, like, I kind of just laugh at it sometimes. I think my biggest concern is, like, when... If I'm having, like, a bad day or an irritated moment and I let someone down, like, in that way, um, mm-hmm. then I do in, like, a physical appearance sort of way. Like, if I make someone feel, like, more alone or, like, more unseen because, like, I was, like, stressed or flustered or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we, how do we come, I mean, do, I mean... Is the cure to that just knowing that like social media is a facade anyway, and that like and not into because it almost kind of reminds me of, like Eckhart Tolle in A New Earth, where it's like it's okay to realize that we like have an ego or whatever, and realize that this whole thing is going on, and it's even okay to participate in it because it's life. And like for a lot of people, and even for me before queer, I like Instagram was a big. It was part of my bottom line. Like I needed to put hair stuff mm-hmm. on my social media so I could get new clients. It really helped support my business. Like Yelp really supported my business when I was you know doing hair Mm full-time um and you know and in a lot of ways it really without tech like i wouldn't have had gay of thrones i wouldn't have had i wouldn't be anywhere i am without some of the positive aspects that tech has created so how can we start to like integrate those boundaries into our lives and be able to like use them because the other thing that concerns me is this that this is like my Ann Oakley come coming out and I don't want you to like think that I'm a nightmare but it's like when you say that we're raising a generation of kids that don't know that these are digitally altered images I only am raising four cats. And I would also (laughs) say that, like, children generally annoy the piss out of me. But we know when we see on Instagram and stuff, 
like, I mean, don't kids know when they see on Instagram and then, like, go out in the world and just, like, observe people, like, in front of their face? Like, can't we can use our critical thinking and, and compare it, like, to realize, like, oh, like, these are... Like, people do have pores out in the world. And, like, they aren't all smooth and have, like, filters all over them. I mean, I, I get that, like... It, but th- but I think that's really because I'm really just talking through this, trying to figure it out. There's a lot of maybe people who don't have a supportive parent or nurturer or teacher or whoever to be able to, like, hold their hand and walk them through those things. So they're left to, like, figure it out for themselves. And then we get, like, a lot of, like, untrue, you know, internal system structures going on in our brains that are... Because it's kind of like we talk about in parts therapy in the book. It's like mm-hmm. when the centered self doesn't know how to explain these traumas that we incur. And if you're naturally comparing yourself to someone else it's like an unrealistic expectation of beauty and no one's there to like teach it to you i just learned about it already so that's why i was like duh but uh, some people haven't learned about it already and if you think about it now you know so much of even and i still fucking struggle with it all the time that's right oh no and even when you know you said even when people are out and about in the world they see other people and anymore when we're out and about in the world we're often looking at our screens and i'm looking straight down praying that people aren't going to freak out on me right and so i I miss looking up isn't it true i really miss looking up i miss looking in people's eyes i don't want to look in anybody's eyes i want to look up at the gorgeous buildings Mm. In New York City, they're so pretty. They are. The architecture is everything. It's my favorite thing about living in New York. Is just, but if I look up too much and I look like I'm a, like just taking in all the wonder of all the gorgeous buildings, and I just hear people shrieking and yelling Jonathan at me, and then I just put be. my head down and I like haul ass. Which is, I think, another part of yeah that we're talking about. But maybe. I don't even want to complain about it because I love all the cool ways oh, that my I life know. has changed. But I do miss taking in the city. I uh, and also before you come for me, everyone Tan said the same thing, and you know how much you love him. So, no, it's, I think that is a real, the the way in which celebrity now infiltrates all of our lives and where that we can follow these little things and we feel entitled now because we get to see you doing your coffee dance in the morning or whatever it is. There is kind of a, a loss for people, I think, who become either influencers or, or celebrity that it, you don't get the same opportunities naturally that maybe you used to have to be with that core self, having fun noticing the buildings. Or just like, you know, really being ratchet out at the bar for a night if you wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. Ugh, mm-hmm. can't like back up on it is, you know, got to think twice. It's hard. Responsibility. It's challenging. I don't mind. I actually like the responsibility. It's cute. And I like these, I as much as this is it is stressful sometimes, I actually really like the pressures and I'm really grateful for it because I actually really do love what I do. Um, but, okay, so how does people's experience with tech based off of gender differ? And Ooh. do you think that, like, do you think that tech is becoming a less rapidly sexist place? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't. I, and I think as long as our current administration is in place... Um, it's becoming a less um, it's becoming a less nuanced, relationally sophisticated place, and I think one of the things that I talk a lot about in the book and in in um, my work is to really watch our engagement with tech that is highly gender stereotyped, such as such as the Disney Channel, um, oh. you know, places where there's just. Or even video gaming. So video gaming is a huge, huge, huge pastime in our culture. And the most played games include very, very hyper-masculinized, very relationally aggressive language and themes. What about Mario Kart? Mario Kart's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But I'm talking about, you know, games where torture is a part of... Grand Theft Auto. mm -hmm. Yes. I did used to like that when I was growing up just because I thought it was fun to go beat people up with bats and pull them out of their cars and not do the missions and stuff. And now that I hear myself say that, I see what you're saying. It's a little unhealthy. Well, if you think about it, you know, gamers, and I love gamers. They are a a group that I actually really, really just love. I love people, basically. But um, What is that affliction? I don't know. Like, you just have not been hurt enough. I love it. Oh, I don't know. I'm fresh off of a Twitter trolling tirade. I think I need like three days before I love everybody again. I need like three days with my cats. Yeah, I get it. And close friends. No, it's it's not an easy way to live. It's, yeah, when you live really big hearted. Oh my God. She's really recoiled. 
I'll come back out of my shell again. Okay. I need to stop interrupting you. No, you're fine. No. You're fine. Um, I don't remember what I was we saying. We were talking about sexism within tech, and I also oh. want to know about, like, do you think that tech is becoming more open to the idea of, like, non-binary people? Are we having any more, like, transgender people that are coming in tech and, and being able to interface so I think that's a fantastic question. And one of the things that I hope if if I can, if my work can do anything, I hope that it can help bridge some um, gaps between both uh, generations and then just levels of insight of people. I think that um, folks who are aware of the importance of non-binary um, thinking and living are probably pretty astute at finding good quality information and, and content online. But those who aren't, aren't. And so one of the things that I really, I, I really wish I could interview you, but that I, you know, um, one of the things I find are for um, gay and queer and trans folks that I talk with, oftentimes they've had no um, input from grown people in their lives about how to find out more information about, you know, if I'm trans, what do I do? What is my path? Or what is what is healthy, satisfying, safe sex? Um, and so they find, they just find whatever they find in their first Google search, which is sometimes not very reliable and certainly leaves them very alone. Um, and the other thing that we find in so many, especially going back to like gaming, we find so much sexual harassment that is is happening in those spaces, especially for people who are less traditional gamers. So... Um, men who don't fit on a strong masculine binary or women or trans folks are treated horribly if they actually disclose those things about themselves within the video gaming community. At South by Southwest, they were going to have a women in gaming panel, and the the participants and the moderator received so many death threats that they ended up canceling the panel. Um, this wow. stuff is really real, and so I think people are really hurting. What I find is that they're desperate to talk about it. And so when I'm on a college campus or talking with, you know, whoever, and I'll just say to them, you know, how has porn, the way that we view porn now, how has it impacted your ability to feel sexually satisfied and fulfilled with an actual embodied person? Or how does the violence you view in games, um, how does that sit with you? And how do you shake it off when you try to encounter people? And they it's like the it's like all the stress in them just goes out of them because they hold it all inside and they fear talking with anybody about it because they fear they're just going to be shamed. Yeah. And it's having such a profound internal effect that I find that if we just open the doors to saying this is just our reality now and you're probably being shamed and hurt and and let's find ways of talking about it but then also we become less comfortable with voice to voice face to face communication. Um so I think those folks are especially at risk, people who, you know, are don't fit into strong um, gender roles that our culture would say are the traditional gender roles. Um, but I think there are great spaces for them. They just may be harder to find. Um, so, okay, so the risks of, you know, tech dependency and, and, and our not kind of viewing it is such, you know, go hand in hand with like anxiety, depression, um, a sense of compare, you know, obviously comparisons like baked into all of that. And we all know that like anxiety and depression can really like incapacitate our ability to like move forward in life and can really get in the way of our like ability to dream our ambition, like, you know, what we want to accomplish in our lives. So how, what are like meaningful ways that we can like untangle ourselves from tech and really like start to move forward in a more embodied gorgeous way i love it so i would love to challenge everybody to to kind of create a new mantra for themselves uh, where they ask themselves if they're willing to be inconvenienced uncomfortable and bored and if we could do those three things even for a couple times a day for 10 minutes a day there's beautiful, your word gorgeous, research that um, shows that 10 minutes a day of a mindfulness practice, or that could also look like in my experience, um, like a rhythmic exercise that gets you into that kind of zone that we yes. think about. Vinyasa flow, honey. Mm -hmm, you got it. That actually doubles the gray matter in the part of the brain that we see diminished wiring in with high levels of tech use. We now also... What's gray matter? Gray matter is kind of what creates the um, energy of the brain. It's like the engine of the brain. It's what makes it work really robustly and well. And we now know that that same 10 minutes also impacts what's called the myelinization, which affects the efficiency of the brain. 
So just being able to be away from our devices, hopefully if we practice it enough so that we aren't also thinking about them the whole time we're away from them, um, can, can not only impact just our behavioral ability to tolerate boredom, to be able to tap into our internal self. So if we're being flamed or trolled, to walk away from it, be able to come into ourselves. But it also creates a pathway in our brain that will remind us to be able to do that when we are feeling overstimulated. It also, um, the other thing that I would say is to just make sure that you have things in your embodied life, like you do with figure skating or whatever it may be, um, that are fiery. And I think of them as fiery, kind of risky where you could fall on your face and totally fail. But where they're also really fulfilling, making sure you're eating all kinds of food and seeing all kinds of beauty and making sure my cats are fine. Exactly. All those things and that fun. are fun. Yes. And you make- know what you Hannah Shaw keeps talking about making sure that if you're a cat owner, your cat's not like bored out of its staying mind and never around new stimuli and stuff, because we're the sole like creators of their world and stuff. And we got and that made me feel really bad. I was reading that this morning. I was like, oh dang, Hannah, I gotta make sure I have like new toys and new fun stuff yes. for my little baby bitten all the time. Yes. And we need to do that for ourselves and especially, especially our cats <laughs> and our young people yeah oh yeah and young people too <laughs> especially if you have them well dr Jareen, so we're to the point in our podcast where it's like yogi recess we you know i think we've covered a lot of things i i think that your approach to this issue is so open-hearted and so amazing i, I can't wait to read your whole book and um i love the work that you do and we will put links to what we have to make some instagram content in a second but um, what do you want to leave this podcast on? What do you, what is the yogi recess moment for people? Mm, I think it is that I hope that every person that listens to this can take a few minutes and um, be, be bored, be quiet, and try to connect with maybe their most beloved experience in their life where someone has just looked at them and and loved them for who they are and affirmed who they genuinely are because I think our screens are likely to tell us we're not enough over and over and over and that we need to tend to them more and more and more. And I'd love to help people feel like they can um, look into themselves. And if they can't hear it anywhere else, hear it in my voice that they are beautiful and they are beloved and they are brilliant and that we need their unique light in this world. Um, for who they genuinely are, not who they curate themselves to be. Uh, Dr. Dodgen, thank you so much. Dr. Doreen, Dodgen McGee, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it so much. The thanks is all mine. You just made my dream come true. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Dr. Doreen Dodgen McGee. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CuriousWithJVN. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. Getting Curious is produced by me, Julie Carrillo, Ray Ellis, Harry Nelson, and Colin Anderson, with special guest bookings by Mary O'Hara, and our socials are run and curated by Emily Bosick. <laughs>